games and then it will kick in. We had but all that gold and then and then Pete didn't didn't press record, you know. We've got to do it all again, Cam. I, I, had, to get the right, I had to get the right spot. <laughs> is it saying we're live, is it already? That's on my end, yeah. It says that, and then on here it kind of shows that it's still kind of oh, yeah, that's it. yeah, getting itself together, and then it suddenly flicks over. So we are yeah, properly showing up live so everyone else can see us and say hi. So this is little bit at the beginning we'll just do a quick intro so um tonight we've got cam on who's a black belt under master sour and you're now at leverage jiu-jitsu training is that right yeah, that's formerly of uh, gracie singapore yeah so yeah i guess uh, so yes yeah, singapore was a school that i started um and uh yeah so i was i i i'm obviously not from singapore i'm from melbourne um so yeah, so I ended up going over there about, you know, it was probably about four and a bit, yeah, probably four and a bit years ago now. Um, and I think Bill visited us when I just, um, I think we opened, we probably opened probably for about six months. I can't remember exactly what month we visited Bill, but um, if it was four years ago, it was it was pretty close to when we uh, opened, I think. Yeah. Or, um, but yeah, I'm happy to come on and have a chat and uh, spread jujitsu. It's the art we all love. So yeah, this, this should be fun. No, yeah. we're, 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 we're grateful to have you on, Cam. I think, you know, when I met you <clears throat> well, four years ago, let's just say it was four years, you were brown belt, just started the school in Singapore. Um, yeah. You had a great bunch of, uh, of people over there. It was like such an amazing um you know, environment to walk into and it really was like home from home and like when when I tell the guys you know like quite how good it was it, it, it and I said to you as well I think when I was in Singapore you know we're all learning kind of jiu-jitsu different parts of the world but it's the exact same language you know you the exact same syllabus you know we knew exactly how the people were like rolling with each other knew what moves were coming next and and to think that that was happening on the other side of the world was amazing so yeah credit credit to you you're doing a fantastic job there oh cheers man appreciate it and it was great to have you there too man it's a shame that you couldn't visit more frequently um but uh we're kind of like on the opposite sides of the, the well actually it's probably okay it's probably halfway to australia hey yeah. we're on the opposite side of the month <laughs> but um but yeah singapore about half yeah so Man, yeah, it was cool. I'm just, um, uh, I'm just upset that you didn't open the school about six years earlier because uh, I used to get out to Singapore five times a year and um, and, and I would have been a, a regular. But uh, yeah, that was kind of like one of my last visits to Singapore. So um, uh, yeah, wow. it, was nice. it was great to meet you. Oh, it was great to meet you too. It's great to continue to keep to meet you. Um, Yes. Yeah, so, uh, what were you doing at the time when you were living there for? Well, were you kind of in there? Yeah, no, the... so I worked for um, Standard Chartered Bank. Um, so I was uh, I was over there just doing some work, uh, visiting the the offices there. And I think you might have. Um, I don't know if I'm right when saying this, but I think one of your students might have worked for Standard Chartered Bank. And I, I vaguely remember seeing you pop up on some internal comms for my for my. For my company, because you went along and you did some uh, like some self defense seminars or something for for, for the company that I work <laughs> for. 
Yeah, so that was um that's actually yeah, so Ken, um he's um he's uh yeah, so he's one of my mates actually, one of my best mates who uh he actually he's from Melbourne too. Um but he ended up moving to Singapore um and started working uh for them. He was working uh for them for quite a while, uh in like a contract role. And um and yeah, and then I got I, how did I get that opportunity? I think they approached us. I don't think it was due to him, but um, yeah, we did some work with Standard Charter. We did like a little, um, I guess like a joint exercise in uh, in reaching uh, certain people. So they were looking to sell, I think they were selling financial products and then they wanted to tie it in with like some activity for parents and kids. And I think we were kind of the draw point for, for them to be able to, to, to sell their, uh, I think it was some sort of financial security. And then they were trying to like draw this parallel between that. So I went, we went there and I gave like a, we had like a little presentation, little lecture kind of thing. And I talked about jujitsu and, and kids and how it's beneficial for kids with, you know, the anti-bullying aspect and the self-confidence um, and emotional control. Um, so this is all, um, this was something that we did and then we had like into the actually the next room and then we had the the kids there so we took the kids and we were like playing games with the kids and getting them to do little exercises setting their base and so on and then the parents were next door and they were like i don't know they were doing in there but having a party or something but they were they were in there and then the parents came back in later and joined in that was kind of fun so um, but yeah, that was that was your so it's your organisation. Yeah, same same company. I, I was, it was just a strange moment. I just saw these internal comms pop up, and I saw your face all over it. And I was like, what the? What's that? What's happened now? No <laughs> kidding. Some ideas. Maybe I need to do something like that in the UK. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I um. I, I always remember, actually, the, the class that I joined in on the Saturday morning at your school. I always remember some some points you made about, um, you know, it's just in the warm up, just the, you know, like aligning your spine and uh, and part of the warm up, and then you you, you took that into like a, a T position and and like a body fold takedown and and some of the the T position throws. And I'm always making the same point when I come back and, and like with, with Pete and Rob, they probably get sick of me saying, oh, Cam made this really good point. Cam made this really good point. We should we try and get that in. Um, so, yeah, whilst nobody knows you and that nobody's met you in the in the UK school, um, they've, they've definitely heard your name. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, infamous. <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> But no, it was good. It was good. So, um, so Cam, like, what what started you on your jujitsu journey? How old were you? Where did it all begin? Um, jujitsu. Well, gee, um, so I've probably been training. So I've been training since probably about two thousand and nine. So not to not to. Um, because I think you said you started about 10 years ago, Robin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's probably around the same time. Um, I kind of don't remember the exact date, but I, at the time I was, um, I was training some other martial arts. It's actually, it's interesting because when I was a kid, um, my parent, well, my mom didn't really want me to do martial arts. Um, I remember one day I was driving, well, we were driving home. I can't remember 
was. It was probably about like 10 or 12 or something, maybe 10, 11, 12. Um, we were driving back from footy training. So my parents were amazing when I was a kid. Like they would drive me and my brother, like tennis, footy, cricket, like all of these kind of um, Australian or, you know, Anglo-style sports, I guess. Um, so we were going, we were going around doing that, and then I was only, and I was, I remember one day coming home from footy training, like I saw we passed like a martial arts school in the car, and um, I said, hey mom, like there's a karate school right there. And I was like, I think I really like to do karate, and she's like, why do you want to be violent for? Why do you want to learn how to fight? Why do you want to be violent? And then I just remember, I remember it, and I, I, it, it sticks in my head. And I just remember going, thinking back, I'm like, I don't think that's right. I don't think it's about being violent. But the, <laughs> but at the time, it was, it was like something that she raised. And to be fair, like we were doing so many other things at the time as well. Um, but yeah, she, she, was, she was, had this idea that um, learning martial arts was about learning violence. And or at least that's how it appeared to my 10 or 11 year old brain. Um, but then, yeah, so... I didn't do martial arts when I was a kid. And then when I got to, when I finished high school, I pretty much just, that's all I did. <laughs> but not, not to that extent, but like I, 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 would, I just went out and I started exploring martial arts. I had a friend who was doing a top style of karate. So I started doing that with, with him at his school. He was a black belt at the time there. And then, um, so I started doing that. And then I had another friend who I started doing the Filipino arts with, the Kali, the Eskrima, mm -hmm. or Ani, some people call it, uh, the different styles of the, the Filipino ones. So we started doing that in the city um, at this place, and they were offering jiu-jitsu classes. And then him and, uh, and one of my other mates, they started doing jiu-jitsu classes, and they go, hey, Ken, like, you know, why don't you come and check this out? It's pretty fun. So it was in, like, next door, and it was kind of, like, under, because we were under the train like the train tracks so it's like these these uh arches. I don't know what you call it. arches yeah it was like these giant long tunnel arches except this one was like a smaller one i remember it was kind of small at the time under the tunnel so we did it under the train tracks jujitsu and that's where we started and um i remember going in there and i was like looking at it and i was like they, they were doing their thing and i'm like oh man this looks very you know intimate and um and, you know, the boys looking pretty close together. And it, it, that was kind of my first experience, but it was really fun. It was enjoyable. Um, and, of course, back then it was, like, kind of a little bit more, you get thrown into the into the frying pan, you know, out of the, you know, into the fryer on, like, the first day. Um, and, you know, I, I loved it, having, like, contact, you know, martial arts before and, yeah, so that's kind of where it started, and then it kind of just developed from there, I guess. But where, how did you start? Well, a good friend of mine, um, you know, started training with Pete and Rob maybe four months before I started, and uh, we used to travel into London on the train together. And uh, yeah. and every now and again, he would just, you know, just grab me, jump, jump on me, and do something random, and and you know, inflict some, some sort of, you know, unnecessary pain. And it was like, Martin, that's not, not nice that you do that. Um, and the fact that you can do it quite so easily was quite disturbing. So, yeah, but I think it took me to, um, I was, I stood up out of my seat one day and I was taking my bag off the top rack and he made me sit down and against my will. And I was like, what on earth did you just do? 
you know, you've got to stop doing these silly things. Where, where are you learning this? I just need to come along and, uh, and give it a go. So, yeah, um, I started <laughs> my, my first lesson, I don't know, uh, maybe <clears throat> maybe eight years ago now for me. Um, and, uh, yeah, probably eight years, actually, almost to the, almost to the day, I think. Um, and then about two weeks after I started, I was fortunate enough to, uh, to train with... Um, that was the year that uh, uh, Alan Manganello came over with Master Sauer. So almost, almost my wow. kind of third week of training was with uh, Master Sauer, Alan Manganello, um, and yeah, my my mind was blown. You know, I, I had no idea really what was going on, but I just knew that it was uh, it was something special, and I've never looked back. And I, I won't ever stop training if I can, you know, as long as my body holds out and. Uh, no, I'll never stop training because you know, we do it the right way. So yeah, forever. Wow, what an introduction you had. Yeah, it doesn't get much better than that, really, does it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Pete and Rob were training, like, you know, a couple of years, maybe longer than 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 me. Um, I don't know, Pete. You you started. You, you had quite a quite a rude in, introduction, didn't you? <laughs> Yeah, mine was a bit like mine was a bit like yours in that I was definitely thrown in the fire. So I kind of um, a friend of mine, Murray, was training and fighting MMA, and he said, "Oh, come along and train at my place where I'm training for MMA, and uh, you'll love it." And he said, "You know, it'd be nice to have someone there." I was doing a lot of we were doing more sort of Thai boxing and kickboxing and stuff at the time. So I went and trained, and uh, just happened the guy run the, that runs the MMA school is a guy called Dan Bazotta, who's a second degree under Hoist. Um, he, he was he was a black belt at the time under Hoist. Um, so I went there and joined in with their MMA class, um, and then at the end of the MMA class we just rolled nogi, and Murray just uh, my friend Murray just just destroyed me, and I'd been doing judo since I was a kid, so I was like I'll be all right on the ground. Nope. And then I was really lucky in that I rolled with Dan on the first night. Like he said, oh, you're a friend of Murray's. I'll roll with you as well. And it just, just everything, every time, like everyone's story the same, isn't it? Every, every direction I moved, it got worse. And I was like, I'll go that way. That'll be like, no, that's worse. And then I'll go, no, worse again. Um, <laughs> so yeah, my first night in jiu-jitsu, I rolled with a black belt. And then uh, I was like, oh, I've got to learn this now then. Like everything else is pointless. If I don't know this as well, then I might as well just give up on everything else. Um, so then I started training there and taking their jiu-jitsu classes for about six months maybe before we got hooked up with Master Sauer through the guy whose school we were training at for Thai boxing. He um, went to a summer camp and Alan Baker was there. Right. Um, so he yeah. was training Carly with Alan Baker, wasn't he? Was it Carly or was it Jim Fanny who was training with Alan Baker and I don't think the Masters or whatever? And Master Sauer, I think, was there as well as the jiu-jitsu representative. And yeah, us a bit like Billy then, you know, a couple of months later, we were in a room with Master Sauer, Professor Manganello and, uh, and Alan Hopkins um, just drilling some moves. And that was kind of our really early introduction was that was it. So. Wow. Cool. <laughs> All right, we're going around the corners now. I don't even know. When I look this way, I'm not, am I looking at Peter? No, you're looking at Bill, as far as I'm concerned. But no, you're tomorrow. looking at Rob on my screen. I think everyone's <laughs> getting it different. <laughs> so, <laughs> who's down there? <laughs> don't look that way. That looks terrible. <laughs> There's nothing good. <laughs> 
Don't tell everyone that what 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 you've called him. <laughs> <laughs> I call him Robin. Is that Robin? <laughs> <laughs> so Robin, how'd you start, man? Um, I think like when I was what. 15, 14, something like that. I used to, I went to like a local kickboxing club, just run by who, someone who turned up to be like, um, like a good friend. Like we, I haven't seen him for a few years, but we got quite close. Um, but yeah, did kickboxing for a couple of years, enjoyed it, went to university, did a few other bits and pieces, you know, like just in and out. As it turns out, I didn't know this till many, many years later, but I did a bit of uh, jujitsu there with someone who got their blue belt from Master Sauer, just randomly. He just, he went out to Utah and trained with him, you know, back in the oh, day. Wow late 90s. As I say, I only found that out about two years ago. Um, and then when I finished university, I kind of, I didn't have much else going on. I kind of came home. I've got a job. I was like, well, I've got loads of spare time. So I started training loads. But like Pete, we were doing a lot of kickboxing, tie boxing, that type of thing, bit of sort of Carly, JKD, you know. And then as it happens, you know, same as same as Pete, we kind of said, oh, we want to do some jujitsu. Um we got the jiu-jitsu program kind of going and then didn't really look back. Yeah, right. Right, right, right. So yeah. where you trained jiu-jitsu prior to your school? Where did you train prior to your school? Uh, we were teaching for the for, for the guy at the at the other academy doing the doing all the other arts. And we said to him, because Pete had been to this other club, we said, oh, you know, we, we really to do with having a jiu-jitsu program. So then he went away and kind of investigated it and that's how it all kind of got teed up. Oh, nice. That's we awesome. Were running his jiu-jitsu you know, uh, program right from the offset, weren't we, Pete? Yeah, it was a bit of a weird one because we didn't really have... Obviously, we had access to, like I say, I was training with um, Dan, who was a hoist black belt, but it, like distance-wise, it was difficult. And then, so, yeah, Rob and I just started training together for a couple of years. Right. And then the program sort of set up after we met Master Sauer and, you know, the two Allens. And then... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the double act that won. So uh, yeah, we trained with them, um, and then Alan was coming over. What he was coming over quite a lot, wasn't he? Quite a few times oh, a year. Good. What was that thing? Yeah, Marcel was over every year, um, and so we were just yeah, just training, 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 going through like everyone else, um, like the DVDs and stuff. And Rob and I would drill and train, and yeah, it just kind of grew from there, kind of organically, really, within that club. And then when he the owner decided he no longer sort of was going to be as part of the association. That's when we said, well, we're definitely staying with the association. Um, and uh, just carried on from there, really. Yeah, right. So, Cam, when, when, did, you, um, when did you come across uh, Phil and, and leverage Jiu-Jitsu? Was that your first um, experience of Jiu-Jitsu or did that come later? No, that came a bit later, actually. So, I... Um... So when I started, I started training in the city in Melbourne, so like the CBD area. Um, and I was, I was studying at the time, so I was at university. And um, so I was training there, and then I was training at um, – so the, the school that was re uh, connected to that place, because that place wasn't a jiu-jitsu, pure jiu-jitsu school. It was called Melbourne Martial Arts, and they had a lot of different uh, martial arts going on. They had like kickboxing, boxing um kyokushin as well and they had the kali at the time and they had uh jiu-jitsu so i was training there and the affiliate uh association who was in charge of the jiu-jitsu program there uh was an association called peter the beans 
Um, and then they had some other associations. So he's sort of connected to uh, Gracie Baja in a way. Okay. Um, so we had, uh, there were some other places as well that were connected to him. So I was sort of training in the city. And then because I was a student and, you know, I had a bit of time on my hands, so I've spent more time training jujitsu than I did studying. But, but um, we, we would go like from in the afternoon. So we'd do like a lunch bus there. And then me and a couple of friends would go down to uh, sometimes the St. Kilda branch, which is um, a bit of a ways away. And then sometimes we back it up again in the evening with another one in like another area. Um, but this is like not every day. This is probably a couple of times a week that. And then we had the classes just sometimes we just do one here and there. But we were doing that. And then um, at one point, like I went overseas, I came back because I went over to, I actually uh, went over to do an exchange in North Carolina. Um, however, I did, I never, I never met uh, Mark Cooper, who I know is there now, <laughs> but um, well, I wish I had, man, that would have been a great experience too, but I trained a bit over there um, at another school. And then I came back. Um, and when I came back, that school had to change its affiliation to it was another one. It was uh, Sea of Polista. So I was training there a little bit at the others because I had friends at the mall. And then I got a job in the outer suburbs. And then how I met Phil was like one day. So this is probably, I was probably a blue belt at the time. I was like, I think it was like two or three years in. And then I was walking, I was walking home from my job. Uh, well, not walking home. I caught the train and then I was walking to the bus stop to go home. And then as I was walking by as well, I noticed like I saw that there was a jiu-jitsu class going on and I, I, kind of, I think I kind of knew there was one in the area and it was like in this little cupboard under the stairs. So basically it was a, it backed up on a shopping center and at the back of the shopping center, uh, like down the bottom under these stairs, there was like this little glass window. It was like a little cupboard under the stairs. And I saw my uh, fill in there, my instructor and, and uh, at the time and he's like i don't know if you guys have seen phil or met phil before at any camps or anything i've seen pictures but never met him in person yeah right right yeah i know i know I've, i think i've seen if i seen some pictures of you guys in brazil or no no one day no. one day <laughs> i hope so one day i've never been either but um but yeah so phil anyway he's like a got like a not that big, got a bushy beard like a black beard got like his eyebrow does his eyebrow thing and and you know he's a bigger guy he looked kind of scary at the time it was like leonidas you know and i looked in i was like oh this looks 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 like it could be a little bit like rough in here but anyway like i gave it a try and i went in there and then what i experienced was something interesting because i trained with phil um, you know, I was a blue belt and I had this idea. I was like, you know, I think I know, have a feeling about what's going on. Um, turns out I had no idea. No, I didn't have no idea, but I, I was, I, I'm not discrediting previous experiences that I had, but when I went in there, um, he, yeah, it was like I trained with him and it just felt like I was drowning myself. Um, I would do something and then I'd get countered and it was kind of like, it, my experience at the time was, you know, you'd have like something that you were good at and he something he was good at. And then you're both kind of trying to find your way into those, those areas that you were good at. But then what I, I felt was he was just letting me do what I do. And then, and I was just getting counted and getting messed up and getting tapped here, tapped there. And it was, and it was like, it wasn't like there was that, that fight. 
if you know what I mean, but like that resistance, I didn't feel that. I felt structural resistance, but I didn't feel that like that, uh, that effort that you feel sometimes when you're training with people that I experienced in the past with other people, you know, whatever level. Um, so yeah, it was just beautiful. And I was like, man, I want to learn this. And he was talking about the self-defense aspect of jujitsu, which is something that hadn't really been spoken of so much in my previous experiences. Um, you know, it was all kind of like grappling, the grappling iron and so on. And that's what I fell in love with. Um, so I started training there out of convenience and then I ended up, you know, that ended up being my, uh, my, my life there and it helped, helped me in so many ways. And, you know, I love, I love Phil Ford and it's an amazing experience and I wouldn't take it back. And now we're training not out of a cupboard under the stairs anymore. We have like an academy, another location, but that was probably oh, maybe about seven, seven or eight years ago. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's how I met my a lot of good things come from cupboard under the stairs, right? That's where Harry Potter started. So you know, right. stories that come from cupboards under the stairs. Yeah, well, he's from your neck of the woods, isn't he? He is. Yeah. He's <laughs> not real. Not real. Oh, he is. He is. For, for many people, he's real. Um, no, that's that's awesome. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, we've we've not been fortunate enough to meet to meet Phil, but. Um, but no, he's a he's he's a recognisable character. I think you know you don't forget him when you when you see him on social media. And I think is it Phil that's on the the video of um with with Master Cell when he's in Greece. I think yeah, it is. yeah. Well, uh, thing on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was in Greece. Man, Greece is amazing. I I I wasn't there at that time, but I went last year. Man, it's such a beautiful camp. Like, it's so picturesque, so beautiful. Weather's perfect. Um, yeah, but man, if you ever if you ever get the chance to pop over to Greece if when he's doing one of these camps, you should check it out because it's a beautiful experience. Like, it's it's a holiday and then you train as well. Is that a feel, is that a field camp? Is it? Field it's camp. a field. Yeah. So he's a he's a he's his his greek background so it's on the little island that his family is from so it's called lefkada and um it's kind of uh up off it's about a five hour bus ride from athens so it's a bit of a trek to get there especially if you're coming in like from probably the uk or australia it is definitely yeah. everywhere's far to get to from australia it's like the ass end of the ass end of the world <laughs> but the, <laughs> No, but, that's um, New Zealand. <laughs> I said, no, that's New Zealand, right? <laughs> You're good, aren't you, man? You got it. <laughs> but no, uh, well, Greece, Greece is a lot easier for us than uh, many of the other locations that that some of Master Sowers Black Belt was training at. So yeah, maybe maybe we can get out there one day but um yeah yeah we'll look out for that i think we're still on the blacklist for greece i don't think we're allowed to go there yet <laughs> they don't want us they don't want us there yeah, that's true air bridges we're not allowed to travel anywhere two week lockdown wherever we go two week lockdown yeah. whenever we come back yeah we're, we're oh, about man. to start crying now cam we, we, <laughs> we, 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 we've not done jujitsu properly for three months now you fall guys properly 
Yeah. Oh, man. How's the, how's the situation there? Like, with because I haven't actually spoken to anybody in the UK um, about what the experiences are with this whole uh, virus situation. Do you guys feel it? Do you see it? Do you? you know? Yeah, well, with, uh, there's, there's a very high death rate in the UK compared to many other kind of countries in the world, but certainly countries across Europe. So, yeah, it's definitely taking its toll. I think the majority of us, I think, are un, unaffected by it. I think there might be a couple of, of, of um, you know, scenarios that are quite close to home. But, yeah, thankfully, not not um, not not massive. But um, but no, it's, it's, uh, it's worrying. And yeah, they've, they've, they've locked everything down. So you know, we're unable to train. The, the one bright thing that comes out of it though, Cam, I mean, we always have to look for, you know, for, for good things is, um, is, the, is the, the kids. Um, the kids programs working brilliantly on Zoom. Um, so the kids are training like with either their siblings or a parent. Um, and, you know, my children train as well. So, and, and Robin's got a little girl that trains. Um, so like you were saying just before we went live on YouTube, you know, you can see the, the progress that your, your other half, you know, your partner's um, making. Um, is it Val? Sorry, did I get it? Is it Val? Yeah, Val. Yeah. Val. Yeah. Yeah, so, so the progress guess... you're seeing in Valerie, you know, we're seeing in the kids and, uh, and they are coming on leaps and bounds and, and, the, and the online program for them is, is working really, really well. Um, to the point where I think when we actually get back to normal classes, I think the parents are going to be like lining up on the side of the mats to continue joining in. I think they're really enjoying it. So, um, yeah. That's, it. That's grass. That's one of the ways like you get the parents involved too, like in, in terms of training. I, I know from my personal experience at our academy in Singapore, a lot of parents, a lot of our adults who joined, joined because they first, their kids were involved first, and then they saw it, like they were asking some questions about it. And then, you know, there was other parents sitting on the side who were also training. So they would like talk to them as well. And that's how you kind of get the, get the parents in. And then the whole family's training, which is amazing um, to have like little groups of little families. We had, what do we have? We got, we had a lot of families. We had one family that was like the two daughters and mom and dad both trained. Um, there was, there was another one, two daughters, I know, a daughter, a son, mom and dad both trained. There's like, there's like heaps of them. There's, you know, heaps of parents and kid groups. Um, and it's pretty cool. You see them all in their geese when there's like a little like graduation sort of ceremony. They're all there, they're taking photos together. It's, it's fantastic. I don't think we've got any mums and dads training with kids, but we've got like one mum and the children or, you know, dad and the children, you know. But, um, yep. but yeah, one one day we'll get everybody on the mat. Apart from your family, yeah. Sorry, Rob. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. The good thing is, as well, you were saying before about like how do we find a way back, and how do we get like the kids so uh, they can train and be in contact, but we can't be in contact with them or them. I think because because of doing the Zoom things, when we restart classes, the parents can come and still be the bodies for the kids. So we're just doing what we were doing on Zoom, but face to face. So yeah. they'll come in and be the bodies for their own kids whilst we can't quite interact in the same way. So hopefully yeah, sure. crossed, that's the way to kind of, that we'll sort of get back to, to yeah. get everyone back in person kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. 
I it's don't know how we're going to stop four and five year olds from uh, from trying to double leg takedown Pete though. Um, it seems to be their favourite pastime. It, they genuinely like tackle the giant. They they love taking Pete down. <laughs> I don't doubt it, man. Like you have, I know, like from in Singapore too. Like they're just all over you, man. They're like grabbing your legs. You have like two of them on your legs. <laughs> Little spider. So how did Singapore start then, Cam? What, where did that, you know, how did that come about? Yeah, so um, we, uh, so there was a student here who uh, who I trained with um, in Melbourne, um, one of Phil's students, another one, um, and he moved to Singapore. Um, he ended up moving there. And then uh, he tried a lot of jiu-jitsu places there. He tried quite a number, and he didn't really like the the vibe, the culture, the the program. And so um, he, yeah, he, he talked to Phil and he's like, hey man, I'm thinking of bringing somebody over um, or like, you know, are you interested in coming over to teach here? He was like trying to get Phil to do it at first. And then he's like, it's like, do you have anybody who'd be interested? So Phil asked around. And then uh, at the time I was, um, I was teaching jujitsu as well, you know, kind of part-time. I was, uh, I would think I was a purple at the time. I was looking at my brown when this was all being discussed. And then, um, so I was teaching at another school and and I was doing like part of the part-time work at, at the same time. And then Phil asked me and I said, oh, it's an interesting idea. Um, and I also had a Singaporean uh, partner at the time, um, a girlfriend uh, from Singapore. So, you know, it all kind of came together in that way. And so anyway, Phil and I went over there. We had a chat to, um, to Hobart is his name. And, uh, and one of his friends, Johan, two great guys who were really interested in getting a program off the ground there. And then we're sort of on the edge. I went back, I put together like a business plan for it. And then, um, and then, yeah, so they ended up going for it. I went over, we started the school. We started with a couple of students um, and then we ended up, by the time I left, there was over a hundred, but there was like probably we yeah, there, there was definitely over a hundred between adults and kids, um, and so it was great, you know, it, it was a really enjoyable process, and I wouldn't take it back for anything. Um, probably about one hundred and twenty ish at some point there, but yeah, so that's kind of how it started, and then yeah, and then I just started feeling like I had to come back home. I needed to, you know, spend more time with my family. And uh, yeah, so then we ended up, or I ended up coming back with my partner Val at the time. So this is like four years later. And um, yeah, we ended up here and now we're both here. So um, yeah, that's kind of like how Singapore started. But uh, yeah, I guess that's, uh, yeah, it was a great I remember meeting Hobart actually when I was over. He was, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's him. That's he's he's the catalyst, I guess, or the the start. And is he still there and training now? He's not actually. So he moved to Japan. So he's moved around a bit. Yeah, he moved to Japan. Um, I think at about the start of the third or fourth year, fourth year maybe. So he ended up moving to Japan, um, and he lives there now with his wife, two boys. So I think, see, between the time that you saw him mm-hmm. and the time he left, a lot had happened for him. Like he had a, he ended up getting married, 
so he went from I think being a single bachelor to married two kids <laughs> wow and moved countries as well that's a big big yeah. a lot of big... and tempt you over to uh to, to open a school in Japan now is that is that the next thing on the cards or <laughs> yeah we laugh you know there was he was he was he was looking at it at one point so but um but yeah but I'm I'm happy here I'm happy in Melbourne um it's great great to be back closer to family and yeah i I think I'm back where I need to be. So, so yeah, that's it for me there. But someone, yeah. um, someone still running, running. Did someone take over and is still running the Singapore one? Yeah, yeah. So we have another guy there now. So he's um, a guy who got his black belt from uh, Tiago, Tiago Bertoni. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have met Tiago before. Yeah, I met him before in uh, Glasgow a couple of years ago. Yeah, right. Yeah, because I remember he went over there. Yeah, he was there, right? Yeah, so um, so yeah, he I got his black belt from uh, Tiago and Master Sauer. So his name's Vlad. Uh, really nice guy, and um, and yeah, so he's heading up the program over there now. Of course, it's a bit difficult. It's been difficult for him as well last these uh, last few months, as it is been for like all of us in the community. Um, so I'm hoping that things start to look out better for him, for the for the schools everywhere around the world at the moment. Um, you know, he just moved there as well with his family from uh, from Kuwait. He was teaching in Kuwait, so it's a bit of a bit of a shock to the system. Um, you know, with expectations, and then you know things change, and we have these restrictions. So yeah, all the best to him too. But um, but yeah, great guy. And if you're in Singapore again, check it out. Go down. Uh, no, definitely. If uh, if ever I'm uh, sent that way with work, I will be um, I'll be looking them up for sure. I'm I'm right in thinking, Cam. Did you um you, you do the logos right? So did you design the logo for uh, for Alan as well, the, the Louisville? Yeah, yeah. Hey, there's that one there. There it is. <laughs> That's the logo. Probably coming useful one week. <laughs> you know it's interesting so that's um yeah so i designed that one for, for alan and um yeah so yeah that was something that i was doing before i started jujitsu i was doing a little bit of that on the site too i was doing some um some like graphic design artwork uh stuff for people and uh yeah so that that was a logo that he was looking at making a logo for himself and uh, we, we did a lot of work on that logo going back and forth. And um, I'm glad it worked out for him in the end because, uh, yeah, I see it all on all this stuff. And actually, our Singapore logo doesn't look too dissimilar to that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey? Very similar. Very similar, yeah. So because he had the L, right, for Louisville. So, and that was kind of around the outside forming half the triangle and then and then I was thinking for Singapore, so I ended up sort of doing like an S within the within the same AG. And but yeah, that was a, that was that was a, quite a while ago now. And man, I haven't seen Alan for a long time. The last time I saw Alan was in Australia. I think that was the first time I met him too. The first and last time. That was uh, I, I don't even know when that was. It's was probably at least six years ago. Probably six, five or six years ago. How's he doing? Yeah, he's good. I mean, I can't think. It's been a while now. Is it November when we saw Alan last? November, yeah. Yeah, yeah. November. So November 19, we saw him last. 
we see him a couple of times a year at least. And uh, yeah, he's uh, he's on he's on good form when he's over. I feel sorry for yeah. him. He's obviously a policeman in America at the moment. It's an unenviable task. So um, oh, yeah. gosh, stay safe, Alan. If you're uh, if you listen yeah. to this one, make sure you stay safe, Mister. Please take heaps of respect for you there. Oh my gosh, it must be really it must be a really difficult time. Yeah, for sure. At least, so, at least in a way that he's he's doing the he's doing all the uh, Gracie survival tactics now because he's head of training for Louisville. So um, at least they're getting some good training and doing learning it properly rather than uh, anything else that seems to be going on. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. yeah. Does he teach you guys? Does, does, there, does he do like some work with police there in the UK as well, or not at the moment? Not not with the not with the force directly. I mean, there's a we've got a few members of the club that are um, police officers, um, and I think they they're really really appreciative. That yeah, four or five. I think they're really really grateful for the uh, for the the snippets and the the extra details that Alan can give them. Um, and they're, they're quite often coming into class, you know, reminding us of, of what they use and how they use it because they're getting to use it on a much more regular basis than the majority of us. Um, and we've also got some good friends that, that come over from Iceland that are police officers as well. So, yeah, the, 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 the police officers at our school, they, they're, they're very well catered for. They're, uh, they're um, yeah, they've got some, some good, good, uh, good tips from, from Alan and from, from Haldor and, and, and Johan when he's over as well. So, yeah, <clears throat> but they don't do anything official with them. Um, but no, we've got some, some very, very well-skilled um, police officers on the beat over here now. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's grass. Yeah. I don't know what it's like over there, but like over here, it's a bit of a weird setup in terms of the training and stuff that it's, it's they don't really let anyone in. It's kind of, you know they've got their program and it's set up that way and that's kind of, which is fair enough but that's yeah yeah they don't really let a lot in so yeah here i i i'm not sure about the situation here i haven't really been involved with that too much like when alan was out here um he ran like a policing workshop but he, he allowed some of us to come in and uh sit in on it too um I think at the time he might have been running. Um, he wasn't running the the combatives, well, not the combatives one, the the greasy one, the Henna Hero. Yeah, he was running uh, his own thing, his own tactics one, the TAC program. I think it was under the Bender Sauer Association. Um, and then I, we had a few police out to that, but I think it's more of an individual pursuit. Um, yeah. If you, yeah. Yeah, you have to seek it out yourself rather than it be prescribed. Yeah. 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 But, uh, so, um, yeah, go on, Pete. No, no, you I first, mate. Cam was talking to us off, well, you know, we were chatting about setting this up, about some of the stuff you've been doing online for people. Yeah, when right. Going. Do you want to tell people about that? Sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it's just... um. So yeah, uh, it's just a, it's a couple of programs I put together. So I was just trying to think about how we can keep everyone engaged while we're not on the mat. Um, because as you kind of know as well, is if there's people who take a protracted period of time off, like I feel like the likelihood of them returning becomes less the longer they take off. So um, 
so I was thinking like, what can we do to try and keep everyone together and to keep people engaged? So this is where it kind of started. Um, of course, like I was working for Phil at the time and then like I didn't have work because of that as well. So I've been doing other work outside and I've been actually working in a supermarket at the moment. But we also I also put together these courses to kind of give the same experience, sort of helping like people from uh, Singapore, from um, from Sydney and a couple of other places that, that, that were interested. Um, just keeping students engaged. Um, there is like, of course, a cost on the course, but um, the, the thing that I was trying to do is trying to make it accessible for people, trying to make sure that they can do it uh, in their own home if they don't have a training partner. And then also uh, in order to like keep the engagement, if anybody out there has uh, like knows people or know of someone who, you know, they, they can't afford a financial commitment to jujitsu, to their academy, whatever at the time, um, just let me know and I can help them out. I can, I'm happy to help them out and keep, help keep them engaged so that like when we come back, we're more likely to come back with, with everybody, you know, with all of our training partners. You know, like Master Sawa like always says about the, the tide rising and all, when the tide rises, all the boats rise together. Um, so this is, uh, that was something that I was thinking about. And then the way that I kind of wanted to put it together was in a very structured way. Uh, in a way that um, I did this a bit in Singapore too, with um, with how I ended up teaching the, the classes with this, of course, system. But it's a lot of people talk about system, and it's it's it is a system. Jiu-Jitsu is obviously a systems-based approach to the fighting, as people have heard Dana her say and so on. But I kind of wanted to take the philosophy aspect and this philosophy kind of, which underpins the strategy of jujitsu. And then I kind of use that strategy to kind of direct the learning process so that people kind of get a feel for how what they're learning kind of is used within the context, or um, well, sorry, how what they're learning fits within the context of the strategy and the art of jujitsu and the, the philosophy, which is that counterattack philosophy, the defensive philosophy and so it's kind of about lay, lay, laying out their learning in that way. Um, and that's kind of the way that I like to, to think about jujitsu. It's something that I felt helped me um, in my journey and how, you know, it's, it's helped me to be more efficient with my learning of, of jujitsu and approach to positions. And so, yeah, I just was going to share that because I had some, in, some interest from, from where I taught before and then some places around Phil's connections as well. But yeah, if anyone's interested, if you know of anybody who's fallen on hard times because of this virus, you know, just let me know. I'm happy to help you out. Um, if you're interested in the program, you can hit me up too. But really, we're just looking at in-depth at certain positions and you don't have to have a training partner at home, right? You and am I right in thinking, Cam, that the, the first, um, the first like, module or the first program that you put together is Mount, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I put together mount. So we did a mount systems course. Um, and then the basically the, the outline of that program was, so we looked at the mount as a position. The reason I chose the mount was because I, need, I was trying to think, how can we get people at home to be able to do it um, when they don't have a training partner? Because the majority of people don't have training partners at home, mm -hmm. you know, for, for various reasons. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I can't get my wife involved at all. You know, you know, she 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 looks at, at Robin and, and and Claire training together, and she says, "Bill, don't get any ideas, no chance. Don't don't go there." How <laughs> <laughs> <Trust> is that? <laughs> Hmm. Uh, but yeah no for sure yeah so a lot of people don't have that that, that you know that that uh the same situation there so when we had that so i was thinking it's like okay how do i make it how do we make jiu-jitsu in an online environment more accessible for people understanding the nature of the online environment and what products are already out there mm-hmm. um and how can we try and bring the same experience of the academy to the online space and so the program basically is laid out in a way that well i was thinking about how do i do this so how how can we do this so we have to make it accessible for people had to be accessible for people who don't have a training partner we have to give them options for like you know think about ideas for training space um, if they don't have mats and so on and then so the first part was to make it accessible for everyone to do and then um, it was like, okay, how do we structure the content? So I put together this. So the way I'd like to think about jujitsu is, and when I explain it to somebody who, who's kind of learning it for the first time, I find this a little bit helpful is, so like I said, we're going to start with the philosophy. The philosophy underpins the strategy and then the strategy will direct our learning. So the philosophy of jujitsu. So when we look at jujitsu, we have to think about, okay, how do I place the philosophy of jiu-jitsu into the sort of spectrum of different martial arts or different martial arts strategies and, and approaches? So generally, we have two, two categories of martial arts. This is a huge generalization, so we're not casting judgment on how any martial art approaches you know, combat. This is a huge generalization. Just bear that in mind. But generally speaking, we can have two sort of main styles of approaches to dealing with the problem of somebody who is who has greater physical resources than us. So we have the hard arts. So the hard arts are being arts in which involve generally hardening, sharpening, building our bodies and the mechanics involved to deliver and receive impact. Um, and of course, the tactics involved in order to, to do so. So that would be like the hard arts. And then we have soft arts in which jiu-jitsu falls into this category. And it takes the assumption, you know, of course, and you guys all know this, that the other person, you know, has greater physical resources. And because I assume that I'm never going to be stronger, faster, more athletic than that other guy, we have to approach combat in a very energy-efficient directive or direction where we assume there's this disparity and so when we assume there's this disparity we now need to make sure that we're very efficient with the use of that energy and but a lot of martial arts talk about efficiency of course the reason we train a combat art is in order to be more efficient and effective at combat but how jiu-jitsu approaches it is because i assume this guy's bigger I need to make sure that I apply a defensive mindset. So I need to make sure that, you know, victory is impossible for that guy. Um, And of course you have Grandmaster Elliot saying, you know, if you cannot lose, you can only win. Um, So we apply, so there's an element of survival to the the strategy of Mm jiu-jitsu. So we have to 
uh, our intention is to survive, right? That's that primary intention. And then we have the how. So the how comes now into a little bit more into how do we survive? How do we end up overcoming somebody who's bigger, heavier and stronger and faster and uglier and all of those things. So when we have this, now we're going to be thinking, okay, if you look at the word jujitsu, so this tells us a little bit, it can tell us a little bit about the how jujitsu works. So do you guys know what jujitsu means? Yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting an education. I don't know. I'm being honest. You guys know, Robert, like the Jew and the Jitsu pipe? Yeah, the gentle science, the gentle art. Yeah, that's it. The gentle, I like gentle science. That's nice. The gentle art or the gentle science, the soft art. So the Jew part of the Japanese contraction is, or the character Jew kind of refers to being, well, people translate it as gentle or soft, usually. And then the jutsu part is art, technique, science, system of techniques, and so on. Kind of how it worked, like the, the overarching kind of grouping. But when you look at the word ju, if you think about it like this, and when you explain it to most people, jutsu is the gentle art, right? So we're assuming somebody's bigger, heavier, stronger, uglier, harder, you know, this really, really strong, hard, you know, opponent. And then it's like, oh, but jujitsu is the gentle art. So how do you be gentle? and then beat somebody who's hard and, and tough. It almost seems like it doesn't, it doesn't work. You're like thinking it's like two polar opposites. It's like, oh, I'm gonna be gentle and I'm gonna overcome that guy. But it's interesting because like when we keep studying and you guys of course know this because we all love the same art together. But when you keep like looking at the literature as well and you read, um, have, it, have any of you read like uh, Jigoro Kano's book? It's called Mind Over Muscle. Yeah. I don't know. All right. I'm going gonna... to get my phone. I'm going to make some notes, Cam. What, what was that one? Uh, uh, so it's called Mind Over Muscle. It's, mind uh, Over Muscle. Uh, yeah, Mind Over Muscle. And um, it's a book by Jigoro Kano, uh, who's the founder of Judo. And of course, he was like one of the greatest jujitsu masters of all time. Some would posit even the greatest in terms of his influence on <clears> every. But he, so when he talks about his, uh, his book, it's very like philosophical and talks about how he kind of, you know, read Jiu-Jitsu and kind of developed Judo. He talks about two principles. So one is Serioku Zenyo, which is maximum efficiency. And that's using our mental, physical, and emotional energy in the most efficient way possible to, to overcome our goal. And the other one is uh, Jitta Kyoi, which means mutual benefit, which is that same idea of the, the boats and the tides rising. So that was the two main principles of the arts that he kind of practiced. When we read some works like his and, and we listen to other masters like Master Sauer and, and, and whoever else that you've had the, the privilege of learning from, is so that Jew aspect, it doesn't really mean gentle, in the same way that it means to be like, you know, very soft and meek, but it means to be flexible or pliable or adaptive. So adaptive is kind of the definition of the Jew part. Mm -hmm. So when we translate it like this, it tells us a little bit more about how Jiu Jitsu works. It's the adaptive art, right? 
as opposed to just being gentle. And when we think about it as the adaptive art, now when we look at the same problem and we're surviving was the first aspect, we now have, we have to adapt. It's adapting, which means, again, it's related to the survival. Adapting requires, to adapt to something, what do we require? We require input. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So they have input in order to adapt to whatever that input is. So yeah. it's looking at counterattacks. So Master Sawa, you guys have all heard the, the thing that he uses about the mouse and the mouse trap? Mouse and the trap, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's exactly like that. Like what, what I'll, I'll, let's see, uh, maybe some people at home haven't heard about it. So maybe, Rob, what's that mouse trap idea? You never see the mouse trap chase the cheese. Hang on. <laughs> yeah, whichever chase. way around it. <laughs> Have you ever seen the mouse trap chase the mouse? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's late for you over there, huh? <laughs> but that's it. That's the that's the idea, right? So the mouse is a lot more athletic than you are, right? It runs up walls. Oh. So, <laughs> <laughs> I've been off the mat a while. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. So then we use that, that, that same idea. It's a counterattack strategy. So defensive, you understand that there's certain reactions or certain actions that the opponent is likely to take given the scenario, and then the trap closes. So this is the adaptive aspect. So we survive first. Then we learn to adapt to the behaviors that we, we understand and we premeditate or likely to experience. And then we use that adaptation, that adaptive you know, mindset or process to then secure a more dominant safe position or submission. So this is kind of how I ended up sort of kind of thinking about it at, at one point in time. And then I started structuring all of my positions around this idea and teaching from this because it's, it kind of helps, I feel, to introduce somebody to this sort of process. So I kind of did like a little acronym. It's just a shitty little acronym that I use to help students remember, but it's like S-Y-S as part of the first part of system. So we have first make a safe position, which is survive. So for you guys at home, like it might just be the T position might be that safe position right? In whatever the context is, of course. So it could be like close guard with like, you know, the stage one controls. Um, and then from those positions, we need to now understand that there's a safe position. And then we need to identify the likely behaviors of somebody to that position. And once we can identify those, we can then yield which is the why yield to win master sour says yield to and i and utilize those behaviors through our understanding of the principles of jujitsu leverage you know distance management body mechanics movement weight distribution etc we can utilize those principles in our yielding to these reactions to the safe position to now give us a more dominant position a submission or disengage from our opponent whatever our goal is so when we so sys and that's kind of the same system or the same uh method repeats itself continually until submission in like the grappling sense 
And so when I started doing this program, that's sort of how I was looking to lay it out to help people kind of put the philosophy and the strategy into the content that they're learning in this way that's kind of helpful for them just to think, oh, SYS or system, this is the process, safe position, identify responses and yield and utilize, and then secure the next safe position. So when I did that, and then it was kind of, that's how I kind of ended up structuring the course to try and bring the philosophy of the strategy and the moves together. And then that's kind of how we end up having these updated little flow chart week where we have a, we're focusing on a safe position and then we're looking at possible counter or possible reactions to it and how we're going to, you know, respond or utilize the reactions. And then that's sort of the first position we looked at a very specific style of mount, mm-hmm. which um, everybody in the association is like, largely familiar with it's even on like the little pedro sour patch that little uh the little guy with the frog foot and the hand in the collar or i think it's like punching or something in the, in the logo but we were looking at that position and we we're looking at all the different sort of things that can happen from there or a lot of the major ones and uh and that's how we sort of covered so each week everyone would get a new diagram um updated uh after the zoom class for the content that we covered of the week and it would have little summary videos within clickable ones in that little flow chart to help them practice at home so that they could retain the information easier they could follow along by like clicking on they just have like this screen there with a pdf with the clickable links and then they'd be able to kind of follow along while they're practicing on their own as well um and then the other thing with the online program is how do you how do you guys you got to try and keep engagement with people too. It can't just be, I don't know, have you guys felt it before if you've downloaded instructional, like board instructionals and then you might watch a little bit and then you don't touch it forever? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, there needs to be a little bit of live, right? There needs to be a real, real engagement. Yeah, that's right. And so it's like, how do you bring that back to the online space? Because you know that the if we just shoot out videos to people you know it it can be hard for them to keep to have the discipline to be able to do it i don't have to do it either like i bought instructionals and i'm like i haven't i've watched like a lot of it but like for for a lot of them but some of them it's just like you watch a bit here or there just leave it you put it on the shelf and watch the whole thing um life gets in the way and you got all these other things going on but how do we increase the engagement? So that's when we started. I, I was thinking, it's like, how do we do this? So we have the Zoom class. And then I also now put on another session, which is like a group drilling session. So we'll get together once a week for like half an hour. And um, we'll just drill out the content for the week and the previous weeks, just to kind of get reps in, make, build a sweat together, kind of try and create a little community um, that supports each other while we can't be together on the mat. And then also thinking about jujitsu, go so back. Those, those people that don't have a body, like a, a partner to kind of train with, what, what what are you getting them to drill out on? What what are they what are they using? So you can buy like uh, so there's this there's this website called the uh, triplexdolls.com and um... <laughs> <laughs> no 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 yeah. you have kids watching this I don't know <laughs> that again. <laughs> I said, "Do you have kids who are watching this program?" No, no. Robbie wants that link again. He wants the uh, <laughs> dot com. What was that? 
You he know? needs to add to his collection, Cam. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, <laughs> so no, listen. Uh, honestly, maybe, maybe that, you could introduce us to your collection, Robbie. That'd be a nice little way to <laughs> Zoom session. I've talked enough now. Everybody, we're gonna now get taken through Robin's uh, Robin's collection of assorted. <laughs> No. So listen, Cam. Honestly, the the passion coming through on on my screen when you were talking about that system um, is amazing. And it's you know one of the questions that we've been asking many of the other black belts that we talk about is is around like concepts of jujitsu. But yeah, you know, we don't need to ask you that question because you've just kind of given given us a, a kind of insight into how you kind of look at, at jujitsu. But I guess I guess the question maybe you know for people that are starting out and that don't have a, a massive vocabulary, you know, at what point, you know, what what advice can you give them that that gets them from moving to, you know, being in a position, searching in their mind for a move? Mm. At what point does that switch to being like searching for a, a move to? Kind of like just grasping those concepts of like what you're what you were talking about, you know based on an input you automatically have a reaction yeah how long does that take can you can you can you give them any clue <laughs> no that's a great a great question let's um it's it can be so if we think of it we we assume that somebody let's assume somebody's coming from like no knowledge of jujitsu mm. so in terms of like when when i think about introducing to them something that helps me to introduce them to jujitsu is so the first thing is whenever somebody walks in the door, you want to find out about them. Don't think about jujitsu. You want to think about like, how do I understand this person and, you know, try to give them a benefit, you know, that they, that they might be looking for in their life. So, and, and it's always the personal connection you want to look for. Um, and this is the thing that's so true of Master Sawa that it's incredible. He has like a way of connecting to people um, and listening to them. And, and, you know, he has not only does he have that, that presence and that aura about him, um, and it's not because he's good at jujitsu that he has that either. It's, of course, it's developed and shaped his character, but he has something different that, that I haven't experienced from pretty much every other instructor like that I've experienced in the, the Gracie chain. Um, I don't know if I'll get in trouble for saying that. I don't think so. It doesn't matter. I don't care. No one <laughs> you can say whatever you want on this one. No one listens anyway. No. <laughs> but how do you guys, like, I mean, I will get, I'm sure we'll get back to the question, but how do you guys feel about that? Like, you've experienced Master South. What was your experience of him when you first? He's just, you first... just super charismatic, isn't he? He's just super charismatic. He's super, he makes everybody... <laughs> He's got those kind of social skills that most people try really hard to learn and be able to use, and he he's kind of got it naturally. They yeah, he just remembers he remembers little details about people. So even after he's seen them the first time, he's got a little detail that he can say to them the next time he sees them. He's good at remembering who people are, and yeah, you get that warmth of reception every time you see him, and you think, ah, oh, he won't know me or you know, come and say hi or what, and, and he does, didn't he, to everyone. It, yeah. 
Yeah, that is special. It makes everybody feel special. And yeah. I think about it like in in a in a self defense um, kind of sense. And I, I think, you know, he's obviously very skilled at how to kind of disarm somebody in a, in a martial sense. But equally, you know, like if you're meeting somebody and you might be a little bit fearful, you might have a natural reaction. And he's just so good at disarming that, you know, or, or, or eliminating that fear. Um, and it just that's makes everybody feel comfortable, which is, you know, that's the best way to stop any sort of conflict, right? It's just to make everybody happy, make everybody chilled. And, and he does that effortlessly. That's it. He disarms the doors to your heart, right? <laughs> <laughs> but he's, as well, his, his, um, his sort of, I don't know what the right word is, really. Like, it's, not, it's his generosity with his time, but also his kind of... Yeah, that manner. I mean, I don't imagine, and again, this might get me in trouble, so we'll share the, the trouble. I, I can't imagine many, and I class him, like you were saying, within that Gracie chain of being, you know, as important as any of the other Gracies are. There's not many others that would have come on, you know, come on to our podcast like three episodes in to come in, you know, to come in and talk to us. And yet he was straight, you know, sorry, episode number five. <laughs> Robin's the numbers man so, <laughs> so they'll you know there, there wouldn't be many people that would come on and do that to support it or you know to to just come on for the love of it and you know he's the sort of person that would just do that so yeah, yeah sure. so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's amazing such a he's such a kind-hearted kind-hearted man um and he's very personable too. And you can just tell in the way that he uh, responds to questions um, is something that's, um, that's really, really, you know, it's a really big positive aspect of, of how he teaches. Like someone will ask a question, you know, he, he will try and uh, like address it in a super respectful, friendly way trying to address the, the questioner rather than just the question. Um, so, and, and that's important is when you're talking, when somebody has a question um, and they're asking the, the question, it's not just the, the question that they have, but they're a person to immediately think, how do I like reach this questioner and help them to arrive at, you know, a place that might be helpful to them. So, you know, when Master Sauer like responds, you like there's just this there's, there's all there's so many examples of this where um, other instructors have responded in different ways, and it just shows the stark contrast between um, between them. Uh, for example, I was taking I went to say who it was or whatever. I was taking um, a lesson with another person in the in the Gracie chain. That's that's what I've been saying, and. Um, and I was sitting there and I, like, I was doing like looking at the, the mounted position at the time. And I had the, I, I kind of, they, they asked me to put the hand in the collar and I had like a, like a frog foot. And then they were like, sit on the mount properly. And I was like, okay, ah, properly? Like, what, what do you mean? Uh, like sit on the mount properly. And I was like, ooh. And then, so I was like, okay, uh, so he wants, uh, he wants me to put my knee down on the ground. So I was like, okay, so, and, and then we went from there. But like the way that like I was, I was thinking about it, I was talking to someone about this the other day and this is not an, an, a bad thing on that part, but sometimes we get caught up in the way that jujitsu should be 
that we forget the person as well. Um, and, and you'd be like, you know, that's wrong, right? Or whatever it might be. It might be, do this properly. Um, but when you look at the way Master Sour does it, he'll be just like, oh, that's really cool, man. You know, you got that foot there. Like, you know, but let's, let's just start from here so we can start to look and explore this a little bit. That, that's really cool. We can look at that too, but let's just start here. And I think we can work something out together so that we can, you know, we can, we can help you there. And the way that he does it is kind of like, he kind of, you know, it's, it's really, he really talks to the person and he sees the person, not the move that's going wrong. Like what you were saying um, earlier, Cam, it's, it's not it's not conflict, is it? It's not this. It's um it's it's that yield. It's it's the you know, but we'll get better together. Yes, we'll get and better you'll, together. You'll still do it my way. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. But this this way, like people are gonna be more receptive, they're gonna, you know, listen. And this is the height as well when we think about jujitsu and the way we train. You know, that is the strategy of jujitsu. It's that yield to win. It's that gentleness. It's that, you know, pliability that, you know, being real, willing to, to listen and to, to work with, you know, what's given to you um, and what's in front of you, like whoever that person is. And then when we think about that from a context, somebody getting back to like the, the question you had before, somebody walks in the door and the thing is, you got to firstly think about, okay, this person's here, they're coming for a reason, um, you know, whatever that reason might be, maybe they're just like really interested in MMA or watching UFC, or maybe they're, they're you know, they've heard about it from a friend and, or they've seen changes in somebody else or whatever it is, they've come in and then our job is to think about, okay, sit down with them and think, it's like, hey man, what, what brings you in today? Like, you know, what interests you? in interested you in coming here and you find that out you have a look at the person you get a feeling for like you know how jiu-jitsu may help them um, because the benefits of jiu-jitsu like there's a lot of broad benefits and great benefits to jiu-jitsu so chances are whoever it is that walks in they're gonna find benefit in some way uh, of course we know that so it's how do we find that understand that and then we have to kind of present to them jujitsu in a way that speaks to them um and that's that's the key how do we make what we teach relevant to the person that just walked in the door um and then we have like the mechanical like physical teaching of jujitsu which i think is what was part of the question which is the how do you get somebody to apply this this you know this kind of approach this formula to, uh, to learning and to jujitsu. And I guess this is why, like, I try to give the philosophical aspect to jujitsu first, because that speaks more to the, more to the metaphysical benefits or like, let's not use that word, to the benefits that are not directly physical, like self-defense and physical, you know, getting fitter, but it speaks to other aspects of your life, social, emotional aspects. So we start with the philosophy and then we, we sort of, now that was a really big thing that we like a big waffle on that I just did just before, but we can like really condense that and just say, look, so this is how, this is the problem. So we identify the problem. So the problem is bigger, heavier, stronger, faster, uglier, more athletic person, because we assume they're stronger than us and they always will be. We're going to make sure we first understand how not to lose. And then, because we have less physical resources than them, 
we need to now be very efficient in the way we use our energy. So what we're going to do is rather than try to beat them, we're going to stay safe, understand how they try, they're trying to beat us. And then we're going to use that action or that energy from them in order to be able to improve the situation for us, submit, get away, disengage, whatever the context of that you're looking at jiu-jitsu in is. And then we just take that and we just go, would you like to see how this works in practice? Right. And then it might just be our first class under the mount, right? Yeah. We're going to teach first. So this is the strategy, survive, yield and utilize, and then secure the next position or disengage, get away, whatever. So under the mount, it might just look like that. And that's how we lay out the process. This is the strategy of jujitsu from this position. So you look at the mount, what's the danger? You identify the danger so you can keep it safe. And then when you keep it safe, now we're going to think about, okay, from this position, we're not going to do anything. We're going to think about what they're going to do. Well, how are they going to react? Yeah. And nine times out of 10, they try to posture up. They walk their hands in to be able to sit up. You can trap their arm. And so this is now you're kind of bringing it all together in the practical aspect. So you got the, the theoretical, the philosophical and strategic aspect. And then you bring in the practical aspect to show how it works in practice. And then when we do that, now they get a better feeling for, well, I feel at least for the, the wholeness and the beauty of the art, as opposed to just step one traps or step one hug, step two trap, step three trap, step four. And you're of course going to talk about those steps, but we're going to bring that in a little bit. And then um, that's kind of how we can sort of introduce it. And then for the process, the blue belt, you're going to introduce the same strategy from every position when you're structuring your class. Mm. And then by the end of that process, you've given them a problem solving sort of process. So that now when they encounter a problem, which could be whatever scenario, you're like, oh, this guy keeps doing this. It's like, okay, how do I, I keep getting swept from the open guard. This guy keeps putting in this and this and whatever. And now you're going to just think about, okay, First thing is we need to make the position safe. What's the danger of him getting, of sweeping you? How does the nature of the danger work? Okay, so I need to understand that if he needs that, he needs my knee pointing in, et cetera. And now we make the position safe. And now we're going to think about instead of try pass from here, so what does he need next? Or yeah. what is he going to try? And so it's kind of a problem solving formula that kind of hopefully helps people to kind of get the, the feeling about the time and the, you know, the, the philosophy of it. Um, or the yeah, the feel. We ask that. I think we, we're we're quite often asking that question, like you know, at what point do people kind of switch from looking for moves to kind of looking for context? But listening to you talk tonight, it's kind of dawned on me that actually there isn't just a point in time. I, I, you know, it's a journey where you're just constantly getting better. You know, and, and Robin uses a great analogy. He talks about you know when you're first learning how to like read or write, you learn the letters. And you join the letters together and then you can start to write and join up writing. And I think, you know, I, you know, listening to you just... Build, that, again. that again, Rob? You end up that you can then have a conversation with someone. That's the key part. Yeah, no, exactly. So I think, you know, I don't necessarily, you know, I don't necessarily know that there's a point in time where concepts make sense. But I just think that everything, you know, everything becomes more kind of, uh, you know, automatic, you know, if, if mm. that's the right word. Um, and and I guess really the message for me tonight is that you know 
jujitsu just gets better and better. It just gets more and more fun. But the one question that did spring to mind, Cam, as you were just describing that is when you're teaching people for the first time and when they're new in, do you, do you find it's easier to teach those concepts when and, and you give them the scenarios of the, you know, the, the bad guy on the streets? Because the, the, the indicators are so much more kind of real and pronounced, right? Versus... It, sometimes it doesn't make sense when you're doing jujitsu versus jujitsu, where it's a lot more subtle. Yeah, um, that's a, that's a great point, man. Um, and it's so the reason that so you you made two good points there. So like one of them was the that one of them was about re, like the relevance to the person, right? So when we when someone walks in the and the other one is about the reality of like. Uh, realizing that there's something lacking or that you need something or that i don't know how to react in that situation and, and of course that speaks to relevance too but when we talk about the relevance it's when somebody walks in how do you make jujitsu relevant to them and their situation and for most people they, they the the context in their mind of coming into a martial arts school or about self-defense in general is self-defense right it's the context that they're coming in for is like, you know, oh, I want to learn how to defend myself like on the street. Quite super rarely, like almost never, especially you, you will have people who come in to do trial who've done jujitsu elsewhere before. But somebody who comes in is like, oh, you know, like um, I don't know anything about jujitsu, but I heard about Gordon Ryan. Like, and you'll be like, I, I would, I've never heard about this before. Like somebody come in and say, I know the sport of jujitsu. Yeah. And then you see that context, unless they've already done jujitsu and they're already hooked on jujitsu and they're just looking for a new place to train or like they're on holiday or whatever they're on holiday. They come on holiday. So, but, but, um, but that's the idea. So that's exactly why you would speak to that, that context or that, that self-defense aspect is because you want to make it relevant to that person. Um, and then the other thing that sometimes we can think about, which might be helpful for some people too is, a lot of people are not comfortable like there's a huge part of the population who might not be comfortable with the emotional or the physical kind of um things that they're going to experience when they try jiu-jitsu so then and that will affect on how you introduce them to jiu-jitsu as well so if you have somebody who come in sometimes it's like um especially uh in singapore where they're not used to kind of contact sports and so on but even like, let's imagine a female who comes in for the first time. And then the first thing that you show her is the mount escape from under the mount. And you're on top of her. This is something that, of course, can be very emotionally, um, you know, there's a lot of emotional content that can be involved there. You know, somebody's strange. I don't really know they're on top of them. It feels uncomfortable. Now, some people would make the argument that that's what you want so that they realize there's something lacking, right? That something lacking it's like oh my gosh I like I don't know what to do here and you could do that but at the same time you don't want to make have them have such a you know bad experience or such a traumatic experience that they're like no nah, jiu-jitsu is not for me I can't do this it's awful I feel awful start so instead you hey start with a wrist grab yes you got him start with a wrist grab start teaching your wife how to set her base and like you know, drag her around the kitchen a little bit. So you can, <laughs> so, but so you can, that, that, gee, that sounded very, very um, misogynistic. Didn't that it? really so, did, like, Cam. Yeah, you're terrible. 
No, but everyone, you, you made a bad assumption. I was assuming that you were in the kitchen doing the dishes. So, <laughs> that the men were. So, anyway, so, but anyway, let's think about the levels of my assumption. Oh, I was just picking a place. But anyway, so just next time you see somebody, your, your wife or whatever, just sort of teach her a little bit like, you know, oh, man, do you want to know what to do if somebody pulls you, you know? They might say, nah, don't have a, I don't care. <laughs> it's true, too. But you can set that base and feel a little confident. Oh my gosh, it's the work. What else can you point out? What else? What else? And you just spark the interest in a way that isn't so emotionally traumatic. Um, and now for everybody out there, if you think I, I dislike women, I do not. Just a, just a heads up. I love women. <laughs> we started again. It's a bit more awkward again. Sounds but like anyway, you're worse now, Cam. You, yeah. <laughs> You're just digging a hole. You're getting deeper. He's like this. He's like disappearing now. Look, he's... That's not what I mean at all. I was just just the situation came to mind. But um, but anyway, but yeah. So you want to have because we love that person and we want them to experience mm. the benefits that we see. We need to make sure that that experience isn't emotionally traumatic for them. Um, and and of course it can be like having somebody. I don't know what. Let's. What's your guys' experience? What was the first time that you had like a sweaty guy on top of you in the jujitsu context? <laughs> yeah. That's it. So I I won. <laughs> so when I used to train at this MMA club, there was obviously because it was an MMA school, and again, not all MMA schools are like this. But there was guys who were training without, a, like, just training in shorts, not training with a top on, no rash, you know, maybe not a rash guard. And I was rolling with this guy, and he was, he was, um, Robert he, was he was a bigger guy. <laughs> what? I, I, he was just, you know, he had a bit of a belly on him, and I hadn't been training very long. And uh, I don't know, it was like my third class or something. And he got me a mount, or so, no, side control, but. <laughs> Because he put his belly over my face. <laughs> I just, I had to tap out because I couldn't breathe. Because it kind of molded around my face. That's my go-to submission, Pete. <laughs> Man, so I had this, this sweaty, overweight guy with his belly across my face. And I just, yeah, there you go. That was my traumatic experience. <laughs> What's more concerning is that it didn't put Pete off. No, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. But straight away, it's weird because straight away, it's that, you know, that was obviously a stupid situation. But like straight away, I was, I realized that wasn't jujitsu, if that makes sense. I was like, well, there's going to be an easy way out of that. It's just, I don't know it yet. Yeah. Know? There's, there's got to be a way, you know, there's got to be a way out. Maybe that's because I was lucky and like, I rolled with, you know, a black belt on my, like, my first lesson and felt the difference. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, I don't know. But yeah, that was my uh, that was my worst ever way of getting tapped out. Maybe you're one of the most stubborn people I've ever met. Also possibly true. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to be out more, Robin. That's the key. <laughs> How you doing, man? Robin? I haven't heard from you. Like, uh, what's going on? So, what was your worst experience or your most uncomfortable experience? I don't know, really. Well, I, 
Yeah, I, I just I know I've been stuck in people's armpits like this quite a lot of time, and you get like a little nacho-sized triangle to breathe out of. You know, like, <laughs> like you know, Master Sauer says with his little straw. You know, just find a happy place and just keep going. Guys, <laughs> but I can't remember the first time. Yeah. Oh man, that's interesting too. The little happy place, right? <clears throat> and this is one of the biggest uh, benefits of jujitsu is being able to feel uncomfortable and still find some degree of like, yeah. you know, accept that and to be comfortable with the, the situation. We used, emotion- to, we used to say like, oh, you know, just try and imagine you're somewhere else. You know, you, you know you're, some, you're on a beach somewhere. But I kind of yeah. more recently got, no, I'm, I'm in someone's armpit. This is just where I am. <laughs> <laughs> Deal with it. But yeah, like you say, you just end up feeling, you know, comfortable there. Yeah. And to Pete's point earlier, it's a, a case of, um, you know, I, I might not have worked it out yet, but there's got to be an easy way out of here, you know. So just you give yourself the, uh, you know, the, the, the time to think and, uh, you know, yeah. and to your points, Cam, you know, find find the safe place or, you know, find find, find a way of making that position safe. Just yeah, I think Pete, Pete's just vanished. Is he? Just yeah, kidding. he just went out some armpit or something. I, I, I'm wondering if it's the aliens that have just taken right. him away. So yesterday we were doing a quiz cam on on uh, on on Zoom, and uh, and Pete just got massively distracted because he thought there was an alien outside his house, and uh, <laughs> and then he's just gone completely black. I thought he'd been beamed up or something. Well, I got abducted, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Oh my gosh, Cam! Listen, uh, it's getting very, very late in the uh, in the UK now, um, so yep. we might have, to, might have to call this one to to an end. But it's been absolute gold, and uh, and I'm sure I'm speaking for Rob and Pete as well when I say this. But it's been it's been it's been a really, really good good chat. Um, great evening for us. Hopefully, we didn't get out, you out of bed too early. It's okay. It's probably the earliest I've been up in a while, but. Um... But I was happy to do it. Like, I love jujitsu too. I just got my, I had my coffee here. I just got up at like, it was like, uh, it was 7 a.m. I think when we started. And now it's, oh, we're almost like an hour and a half, eh? Yeah. Gee, well, we yeah. have time. I'm sorry for like waffling on too much. I no, 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 not at all. That's, that's, um, that's, that you, the passion comes through massively loud and clear. And for anybody that listens into this one, they will, uh, they will, they will, if they haven't already got the bug, I'm sure they'll be getting a lot closer to getting the jujitsu bug. So, uh, so thank you. Um, I'm just remembering one thing that I need to tell you. And it was the last time that I actually saw Master Sauer. Um, and it was in the changing rooms after one of his seminars in, uh, in, in Iceland. I'm not going anywhere dodgy, Rob, don't panic. But we were talking about different people that, you know, that we knew in the association. And I mentioned that I trained with you in Singapore. And he's and he said, oh, Cam, yeah, Cam Stobie, awesome mechanics. So uh, I'm sure he's told you that himself before, but, um, but you know, he speaks very highly of you when, it, when, when you're not around as well. So uh, if we can leave you with one, uh, one, one, one lovely little gesture, it was, uh, it was the good news from Master Sauer great mechanics oh that's awesome i appreciate that yeah oh man that's uh when you get like little compliments like that it's like it's it really kind of makes you feel good he's a very nice guy too so he he, he says he doesn't say a bad thing about anybody or pretty much so 
you know, he's, uh, and that speaks to him. And then, you know, we're just so blessed in our association to have that as a, as the head, as the role model, as the, yeah. you know, as the, the yeah. guy um, yeah. to follow. Um, very blessed. And then, yeah, hopefully we all continue to grow together. I hope, um, you know, your wife gets into it too. I hope because no chance, is- no chance. I'm, 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 I'm just getting the children involved instead, and uh, I'm just hoping that they grow a little faster so that we can we can have some proper um, sparring going on rather than yeah, me just trying not to squash them. But yeah, it's it's, it's good, it's good. <laughs> just get it. The more we all grow together, the better for for all of us, you know. So you know every we want to see every school grow like wherever they are so and this is the thing we want to make sure that we in the jiu-jitsu community we don't think about competing with each other as we're not competing with each other even if somebody's you know like uh, i don't know like 10 five 10 kilometers down the road you guys use kilometers yeah you do right we know what kilometers are but we do miles oh you do miles too oh man Right. See, I'm we're running. Be- we run in kilometers because it sounds further, but everything else is miles. <laughs> oh man, I thought you, I thought we must have got kilometers from you guys. No, but- you just made that up because it sounds further. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, even if there's a school just down, like you know, like in another suburb or two away, they're not your competitor. You don't think of it like that. You think you all have benefits to give. And, you know, there's, if we're, we're going to think from another perspective, our competitors, all the other stuff out there, you know, it's not other jiu-jitsu schools um, at the moment. So, you know, just offer what you have. And if we can all grow, to, that's the best outcome, right? So, um, absolutely, yeah. Hope you guys keep growing over there. I can't wait to, to meet you guys one day. Maybe you can come out here and visit. Um, I've, uh, got, I've got, I'd love I've got that. The house too here. I got a spare room, so if you guys want to come out and like need a place to stay, maybe the not. Downside of this uh, this podcast <laughs> cam is that everybody that we've met, we've said that we need to go and visit, and uh, and my travel budget now, I, I just can't keep up with. I'm, okay. I'm on a round the world trip now, and it's. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But if we but get to it, Australia, like, we'll definitely come and look you up. Yeah, please do, man. Like for you guys here, like you know, come out and maybe not every the whole audience on the call, but all your hundred like eighty something. Is it eighty something? Or I don't know. I saw like on one of the links, I clicked. I was like, oh, you got like like all your guys signed up to this, you know? Like so that invitation to stay in my house, I can't really extend to everybody at the same time. We'll all descend on you at the same time. Get out here. Come and see us. We're gonna to train together. We'll have some fun together too. I'd love to visit you guys one day once yeah, everything. Uh, if ever you're passing through, you're 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 one hundred percent welcome. That's awesome. Oh, Good talk. Cool. Well, Morning, Pete. So end end the live. I'll stop the live stream there. Technical. Yeah. Thank you everybody right. for tuning in. I've got to give him a shout out on okay. the live. Porter was on as well and said hi, Cam. Dave Porter. Hey Dave, how you doing, man? He was there saying hi at the beginning, so uh, yeah, I thought we better. He's a really good guy, and you guys all trained with Dave before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, he's a monster. He's such a nice dude, and like his his jujitsu is like so so good. He's like on another level, that man. He's um, yeah, he's scary. 
man, he's such a nice guy. Like when I was in Virginia last time, like he was helping me out too. And man, like so grateful for him too. And when you have like, this is like, when you have like someone positive, like Master Sour at the top, like a lot of all the students of his that you're going to meet are going to be like the same way. And then Dave's proof of that, you know, and he's, he's got the technicality and the, the you know, the, so like the character that's, um, that's so often you can see in the, in, in professors, students. So yeah, man, good luck to you, Dave. Hope you're well over there, man. Cool. Thanks everybody for tuning in. I'll stop the live stream there and uh, yeah, we'll see you the next time.